The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is up, everybody? This is Tony Catalina, and welcome to another episode of the First and Ten podcast. Uh, usually, you hear, like we always say, Dave Sturcio in this slot here introducing it, but uh, but Dave Sturcio is not in today, so you're gonna have to deal with me, myself, and uh, my trusty uh, sidekick here, Aiden Davis. Aiden, how are you today, man? I mean, it wasn't pretty, but we got to see another Cowboys game again, so I'm I, I don't really know how I'm feeling today. I guess I'm. Ha- Number one, happy that football's back, but it definitely could have been a better showing. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, I think, like you said, um, I think I'm going to lean in today to be and bring some positivity. We're the first podcast of the week. Um, we're going to be able to hash, you know, all the things that we saw on on Saturday night here. Um, but, you know, there's going to be a ton of people in Cowboys Nation, a ton of people covering the team that are going to bring some of the negativity and some of the um, the things that really grind out. And I'm going to I'm going to keep it real, but I think I'm going to have a little positive spin on it for a change here. So, um, Aiden, um, I just kind of wanted to get to you real quick and ask initial thoughts. I know you said it was negative, but what was your initial thoughts of this game? Honestly, I didn't really have a completely negative opinion of the game. My opinion was just. It was a little bit like watching the 2020 Cowboys offense where you're like, can we get something of anything going just so I can get excited and I don't have to root for the defense just to give our offense the ball and do nothing. So, I mean, not seeing the offense scores, it was really annoying. But for the most part, I honestly like there was a lot of positives that we can take out of the game that people are seem to kind of be glossing over. So I'm I wouldn't say I'm optimistic, but I, I don't think my view towards this team has changed at all after last night yeah it's funny you say that because i i kind of join in i'm a company man um rj went live on youtube on the blog on the boys channel and um he was just talking about it and obviously there's a lot of attention when the team doesn't do great i think a lot of people want to voice their opinions and kind of say how they feel about it but he presented a good question he's like how do you feel about this team after saturday night do you feel worse better or like it hasn't changed and I actually chimed in and said I feel really indifferent I mean there's 30 guys didn't play I would say about 19 of them were starters and about 24 of them are going to be like contributors in total like so for me that wasn't this year's version of the Dallas Cowboys I think what what is tough for the Cowboys is all the things that Mike McCarthy has said about you know discipline and being uh 
better about penalties and then to lap everybody else in the league when it comes to penalties is super frustrating. I mean, uh, I just saw a stat before we started recording this and we're recording it Sunday night. Uh, the Cowboys obviously had the number one penalties in the league, but number two, which was six less than the Cowboys were the Patriots at 12. So not only were we the best or so to say the worst when it comes to penalties, it was by a wide margin. Yeah, I think, so I wrote about this a couple of months ago after the 2021 season had ended and we were all mad about the penalties, especially with the way the season ended against the 49ers. The one thing I will say is the way that the Cowboys were playing last year is really conducive to drawing penalties. When you just look at how often teams were throwing against the Cowboys, which obviously draws holding and pass interference calls. When you look at the Cowboys split, like they, they were willing to still run the ball last year. And when you run the ball on offense, that's where you draw the most penalties And so when you look at the Cowboys penalties versus their opponents, it's actually somewhat similar. The Cowboys opponents were drawing just as many penalties as the Cowboys. So I, in in my boat, I don't think the penalties in 2021 were as big of a deal as people made it to be. But at the same time, we do want to see those penalties decrease, obviously. I just don't know if last night is a good representation of what the penalties will be like moving forward. I mean, we're talking about preseason football where, we have a lot of rookies that played last night and yeah, those guys are going to be an experience. They're going to draw some calls. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually totally agree with that sentiment in the sense that um, I can live with some penalties, right? I, I've, I said this earlier, I was talking to somebody when Connor Williams holds it's due to being out of position or not being strong enough or whatever the case may be. Connor Williams struggled that made him have to do those certain things. I look at some of the Tyler Smith penalties and I look at even someone like going to the defensive side of the ball where Sam Williams, I mean, he gets a bang, bang, you know, personal foul on roughing the passer though. That's football. Go out there and play. I mean, nine times out of 10, that's not going to get called. You know, Tyler Smith is out there um, playing tough football. I think sometimes you get, uh, Sometimes you get bit in the behind when it comes to that type of stuff. So I'm not going to tell these guys to go out there and change footballs. It's more the lack of like mental discipline that is frustrating. The false starts, you know, the offsides. Those are the things that really hurt a team more so is the effort penalties. What do you think of McCarthy's comments today about the penalties? It's For- I don't know. It's it's funny because Mike McCarthy always finds a way to like not make you feel great about the things he says. It's like, yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I, I think I get what he's saying. And I think he seems like he's not worried about it, but this is a pattern of behavior. And, you know, like you said, we don't want to make too much of a big deal about it when um, it comes to one preseason game where pretty much virtually nobody was playing. But uh, yeah, Mike McCarthy, man, it's kind of, let's, let's figure it out here. We gotta, we gotta have see some progression in preseason game too. I mean, if it's two or three less penalties, I'll take that as a win, man. Yeah. I, I mean, we'll see. I'm just, I'm not putting a lot of stock into penalties correlating to regular, like very few things correlate to regular season success. When we're talking about the preseason, the one thing, the, the really only, the only thing I'm looking for is how individual players play and how they're going to fit into the team. 17 penalties. Yeah. It was difficult to watch, but at the same time, I'm, I'm not putting that much stock in it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Um, it just, you know, you take it with a grain of salt, everything in the preseason, but you were talking about individual performances. And I think that's a great segue into our next, our first real topic is we're going to break down some winners and some losers here. I think we have three names that we're going to talk about and briefly explain why we think they're winners. Um, and I'll let Aiden go first. Aiden, who is your first winner of Saturday night? Yeah, so for my winners list, it. Honestly, there was a good amount of names for the way the game played out. There's a good amount of names that I had on my winners list. 
I think number one, and it seems to be, I don't think people are talking about it as much as they should, but I think the defensive line last night was walked away as the biggest winner. I mean, Dante Fowler looked good until he was benched because of penalties. I thought Terrell Basham looked solid last night. I think we got to see Tristan Hill showing up the way that he apparently has been doing in camp. Overall, I just thought they were, especially in the first half and more specifically the first quarter, they were making Josh, Josh Johnson. That was the quarterback's name, right? Josh Johnson. Yep. Yeah. They were making his, yeah. Yeah. Apparently 40 NFL teams. Good. He's played, (laughs) he's played on every NFL team and then every XFL and USFL team. So this guy deserves some type of award. But anyway, I thought they made his life very difficult last night and like, We'll get to it in a second, but the secondary did not play well. And if not for the defensive line, I think the Broncos could have hung like 30, 40 points on us. But the defensive line was making those throws a little bit more difficult, making the secondary's lives a little bit easier. Perfect. And like you said, um, you mentioned the defensive line. And yeah, instead of kind of picking one person, the whole group did play well. It seemed like there was pressure. And, you know, that may be a little bit about how the offensive line play is in the NFL, especially in the backup world, is but, you know, you like to see those things from defensive linemen. It seems like guys are disruptive, Tristan Hill. And I got a bone to pick, though. And maybe this is something that we'll have to dive in deeper. But what was Neville Gallimore doing in, like, late into the third quarter? I, d- I didn't understand that. I I was honestly confused. Like, we were getting to, like, halftime, and there's still a decent amount of players that I just see on the field that uh, my first thought is these guys are going to get meaningful minutes to the season and they're working into the second quarter. I think ne- Neville Galmore is a good example. I just, I think part of our issue is our defensive line rotation is just at this point so jumbled and we don't know who's going to slot in where. And so I, I just, yeah, we got to find some more depth though. Cause I don't like Neville Galmore playing three fourths <laughs> of the game. I just didn't get it, but <laughs> to kind of pivot into more positivity, I'm going to go with my first winner. Um, and I'm just going to have to go with Deron Bland, the young corner, rookie corner. Man, this kid was everywhere. He was sticky in coverage. He was, you know, got his hands on some balls, tackling well, was fast in the in the secondary. You can see, obviously, that Dan Quinn stamp is all over this defense with the speed at all levels. Um, I loved it. Um, and one of our colleagues, um, I believe it was Danny Phantom, said, and I totally agree with him, and that's why I want to give him a shout-out, um, you know, Deron Bland might be the fourth corner here, you know, just based on the way Kelvin Joseph and, and, um, you know, nation Wright played. I don't want to kind of put the the cart before the horse here in one preseason game, but he might be the first guy off the bench after the top three. What do you think? If I, so, but going into this game, if you were to ask me my rankings based off what I've seen in camp, I would have gone obviously our starting trio. And then number four would be nation Wright, Number three, or yeah, number five would be Kelvin Joseph. Number six would have been Deron Bland. I think those bottom three guys completely switched last night. And we'll talk about it more when we get into the losers, but Deron Bland. So he was targeted seven times last night. Do you want to guess how many, how many passes were completed against him? Mm, Let me see. I want to say three. It was two. Do you want to guess how many yards they threw against Deron Bland? Two completed passes. Let me throw a random number out there. Let's say like 19. The answer is two. Wow. Two yards on two completed passes. Man. I don't know if you remember. It was like one of the first plays of the game, but they completed a flat route and Deron Bland was there and just hit stick the guy and completely yeah. brought him to the ground. He was wearing number 30. So my first instinct was, oh, wow. Anthony Brown's playing. 
nice. flying around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah. He was an easy one for me. Um, and it, it, it it's tough because well, like you said, we'll get into it when we get into the losers, but early on, Nashawn Wright was playing like that too. Nashawn Wright was yep. playing, he was flying around making hits. He was a sure tackler. It's just like, the number one job in the cornerback is the cover. And, you know, and that was when I got a little messy and a little sticky for him, but we'll stay positive here. I went to Ron Bland in the first round. You went the defensive line as a whole. Who is your second winner of Saturday night? Yeah. So my second winner, I I'm giving it to the, I hate to give it to entire position groups. I Specifically, I want to narrow it down to rookie undrafted free agent running backs, which narrows it down to two people, i.e. Aaron Shamplin. Is that how you pronounce it? I still I'm still iffy on how you pronounce it. Yeah. Shamplin. You're gonna go say confidently. Shamplin. Yeah, whatever it is, say confidently. Aaron Shamplin <laughs> and Malik Davis. I think for my two cents, I think they were the two best running backs that we saw last night. And the reason that I, I'm really, really happy about this. We don't know what's happening to Zeke's contract in 2023. We don't know what's happening with Tony Pollard's going to become a free agent. We need some running backs who will step up and potentially, I mean, we'll see, but potentially could be starting running backs in the NFL in 2023. And from what I saw last night, I know it was against um, I got backup units, but those two running backs to me really impressed. Yeah. And that's the thing though. I think with running backs more uniquely than probably any other position in the NFL is the transition from the college game to the pro game is, is seems to be a smoother one, right? I mean, if, yeah. if you can, if you can read blocks and you can hit a hole and show patience um, that's going to translate. So it doesn't really matter to me who they're out there against. Champlin look quick. Malik Davis looked decisive and, you know, kind of piggyback and we'll roll it all together. My next big winner was Malik Davis. Um, I, you know, I went into it thinking that Rico Dowdle was, you know, he's my guy. I feel like uh, he's getting to the level of Anthony Brown when it comes to like me defending him. I think Rico Dowdle is a uh, bona fide runner back three who has a chance to like, you know, one of the backs ain't going to be here next year, whether it's Tony Pollard or Zeke Elliott. I think that uh, he has a real chance to, to come up. But I feel really good one through five about all these running backs on this roster right now. Champlin, Champlin was he was strong. I mean, for a little guy, he hit the hole with confidence. Like like we mentioned, you know, Malik Davis was falling forward. He was running hard. So I, I feel good. I mean, like you said, it's early on. It's one preseason game. But yeah, the running back room as a whole, especially with the two at the top there, Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, you feel pretty good about their prospects. And, you know, it's a tough decision because do the Cowboys go three running backs? Do they go four running backs? Do they dump Brian Nall and not have a fullback to keep one of these guys? Because the fact of the matter is who doesn't get cut is probably going to end up on a 53 man roster somewhere else early on. Yeah. That's my big thing is at this point, it's our running back room appears to be what I thought our secondary unit was is I just don't know if there's a guy you can cut on here so that's going to be my number one thing moving forward is over the next two preseason games which running back looks the best because I don't see them walking into the season with more than three especially when you have a workhorse like Zeke but man this is about to get really interesting it is and let me you know present a question for you here do you think Cowboys play a little bit of uh uh, roster gymnastics here, right? Let's say they don't keep Ryan all. They don't have a fullback. 
do they go to the heavy package again with possibly Connor McGovern or a Matt Farniak and uh and like and then at that point they're able to keep an extra running back who may be able to help on special teams. I know um you know Rico Dowell has some special teams type plays in him too. I know he hit one big against the Steelers um a couple of years ago. Um but do you think that's a possibility or do you think this team is uh, dead set on having a fullback on this roster? I don't think they're completely opposed to it in terms of what, like the way that I know Kellen Moore likes to operate. It seems like he probably would prefer to have a fullback, but yeah, he can get creative with Connor Williams or Connor McGovern. He can get, he can do things to cover up the lack of a fullback. I just don't know if you want to walk into the season with four running backs, like, we know Zeke's going to eat about 60 to 65% of the touches. Tony Pollard's going to eat another 20 to 25%. You're starting to get up to like the 90% range. And do you really want to split up? Do you really want to burn an extra roster spot just to split it, split up that remaining 10% between two guys? I just don't know if it's realistic for this Cowboys team, but I will see. I, I don't want to lose any of these guys is the issue. Yeah, you're probably right with, you know, some sound thinking there, like the way this roster is configured, like how are they going to make it work? It may not be worth it, but I think we both agree it'll be tough when, you know, one of them's an eagle and the other <laughs> yeah. one's, you know, the other one's backing up somebody in, you know, in Baltimore or something. But yeah, so that, that is, you know, it's a good sign to see. I think we both agreed the running back room, Malik Davis, you started off with the defensive line and I said Deron Bland. So that's two each for us here. And your final and third winner of the game is... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I know who your third winner is. So I'm going to let you take them. I'm going to give a minor winner to this is going to sound weird. I'm giving a winner to Will Greer just because mm. I, I saw Cooper Rush <laughs> play last night. I saw Ben DiNucci. I've seen Ben DiNucci play a lot. I made up my mind that I Will Greer at this point. I just think he needs to look somewhat competent next week or whenever he plays. I mean, I know he was held out. Seemed like it was precautionary reasons, but do you know what's happening with that? Because we didn't hear any rumblings that yeah. he was really so, in line to miss. So Will Greer tweaked his uh, groin on Thursday, or actually, I'm sorry, on Wednesday. And um, before they went over in Denver, they kind of held them out just for precautionary reasons. But the good thing is, it seems like he should be good to go when they get uh, kicking back in Texas this week. And um, like you said, I'm going to let you continue your thought there. But he, the QB2 is more wide open than <laughs> it was a week ago. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we've heard this during camp and I didn't really want to believe it that Will Greer kind of looks like the quarterback, too, as of like what we've seen over the past two weeks of camp. 
And after watching Cooper Rush last night, I have a hard time believing that Greer isn't going to slot into that quarterback two role if he just performs somewhat competently. I think he's a big winner from last night just because of what the other quarterbacks did. Yeah, I agree. Um, I will say Ben DiNucci showed a little progress, right? I think, oh, when, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, I think Ben DiNucci, if Will Greer doesn't look solid, Ben DiNucci right now is our quarterback too. Yeah, man, it's crazy. I mean, listen, we, we, we take it all, like we mentioned earlier, with a grain of salt. And uh, But Ben Ben DiNucci showed development. Now, what does that development lead to? You know, that's remained to be seen. I don't think he'll ever be a starting quarterback in this league, but who am I to limit Ben DiNucci? All I'm going to say <laughs> is he looks better than last year. Cooper Rush does not look better than last year. All signs out of camp seemed like Will Greer was having a really good camp of pre-injury and Cooper Rush going out there and not really solidifying that job. Um, just like you said, without him even lifting a finger, he'd put himself in a better position. So I'm excited to see what Will Greer does here in week two or, you know, as they go to preseason week two. Um, but you're right. I, we talked about who are going to be my positives here. So I'm going to go. It is uh, Peyton. Hendershot, the tight end. And, you know, this is interesting for me because I think we're, we're, I think we both agree that the tight ends, it's going to be four of them. I think we think it's going to be Dalton Schultz, Sean McCune. Uh, it's going to be, um, sorry, Jake Ferguson. And then Peyton Hendershot is who I think is going to be the fourth. I think Dodd man out is Jeremy Sprinkle. I think Ian Bunting is on the way out. Hendershot was showing some some burst out of the tight ends. Like he was probably, I mean, without, or without really debating at this point, it seems to be the most athletic tight end in the room, right? Showed a little wiggle with the ball in his hand, a little yak. Um, there wasn't many two opportunities, like you said, because with the, the, the QB play was a little shifty, a little shaky there, but I'm encouraged by the way, Peyton Hendershot played. And like you said, if we're going to give honorable mentions, I would give honorable mention to Jake Ferguson as well. I think the tight ends as a whole, uh, it's, it's a, it's a deep room. I think I think with Dalton Schultz and, and, you know, the new guys coming in, I think that the tight ends, they should feel comfortable the way it is. So I'm going to have to go Hendershot as my third and final winner of the night. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And in fact, it was really difficult last night to tell which rookie tight end we were dealing with because Ferguson wears 48 and Hendershot was wearing 49. And so I was really having a hard time telling which tight end was producing. But for me, it was just like. I, I think you could give one giant winner the tight end room. I think Sprinkle actually, I think he ended up with like three catches. I think he had actually a, a pretty solid outing. Yeah. Hendershot he, and Ferguson both, I think, looked pretty solid. My beef with what Jeremy Sprinkle is, he's touted to be the blocking tight end. Yeah. And it's not I'm, even I'm his strength. You. Yeah. You know, it's not even his strength of his game. So it's interesting. But, you know, we were able to talk about some positives in a not great game, which is fine. You know, able to take some positives out of that, but let's shift over to a little tougher conversation, but something that absolutely needs to be discussed. We have some losers for this game. So Aiden, I'll let you kick it off. Who is your number one loser from Saturday night? Yeah, my biggest loser. Well, no, this is not my biggest loser. One of my losers is unfortunately, and I hate to say this rookie wide receiver, Jalen Tolbert. I thought, and now I'm going to give a little bit of credit to Jalen Tolbert because he was working with Cooper Rush, who was throwing him hospital balls and just ball. Like there was a couple stop routes that Jalen Tolbert was running where the ball is nowhere near him. And it was just, it should have been an easy completion that we know probably would have been in completion with Dak. But the two plays that really gave me pause was obviously the third down conversion that Tol Tolbert just dropped before. I understand it, was, it wasn't a great pass and he was, he was facing some pressure. He heard the footsteps, but you're an NFL receiver. You got to start catching those. Also the interception. I don't, 
once again, the interception, I think was 70, 80% on Cooper rush. I just don't really, I didn't see Tolbert really going to get the ball and causing a disruption. Like in that case, if you're the receiver and you think the ball is getting intercepted, turn into the defender. So I just wasn't really impressed with Jalen Tolbert last night, but first preseason game, I'm not going to, I'm not writing him off by any means. Yeah. And you know, that's the, I think you ended it perfectly with how I feel about it. Um, You know, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt the same way I feel about Tyler Smith and any of these young guys. Um, You know, it, I'm, I'm going to talk about my next loser. Spoiler alert. I feel the same way about Josh ball, right? That's his first time playing football in the NFL setting. So you take that with a grain of salt, you take that and you understand that there may be some jitters or whatever the case may be. I fully expect Jalen Tolbert to shake it off. He had the right mindset. He was talking about how he has to be better after the game. So it's tough. You know, we, we got to be fair about it. Jalen Tolbert definitely um, wasn't his best outing, but I think um, it's fair to put him in that category for now. Yep. And just a friendly reminder, I'm not calling, I'm not saying Jalen Tolbert <laughs> is Jamar Chase, but Jamar mm. Chase had a disastrous preseason last right. year. So that's just, that's just proof that don't put too much stock into these preseason receivers. I've said this on the podcast before. Receivers take a long time to acclimate to the NFL. Man, do you remember that uh, narrative going into the preseason? <laughs> yeah. the Where you were talking about the, yeah. Yeah. the football <laughs> does have stripes on it, so he couldn't tell. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I just mentioned him, so I'm going to pivot to my first loser here. And uh, it's Josh Ball. Um, I think Josh Ball, um, by if anything, right, his play – was poor enough, right? And I'm trying to be nice. It was poor enough that it may be a blessing in disguise because I think the guys watching the film understand that Josh Ball is not the guy right now, right? This has nothing to do with his future prospects, has nothing to do with his future projection. I think Josh Ball could be in the league, right? This could just be shake it off. The same way we talk about Jalen Tolbert, we talk about some of these other youngsters that had some nerves. Totally fine. I completely understand that. But Josh Ball's role is up there with one of the more important roles. Tyler Smith needs to win a starting job. So understand that the scrutiny on him is very tough. Jalen Tolbert, same. Josh Ball needs to be a swing tackle where Tyron Smith has his scheduled days where he's out and missing games, right? That's coming. We have to be prepared. The fact of the matter is, if anybody goes down, it's a very scary proposition. And that's something that with Dak Prescott being the face of the franchise, you know, the, the money in the bank, so to speak, with, with uh, Dak Prescott, him being protected by Josh Ball is a scary thought. And I think the Cowboys have to watch this, be real with themselves. Me and you saw it, you saw it with our own eyes that maybe the swing tackle position is not on this roster. And I think they need to go out there and find somebody else to take that job. Yeah, I think I'm completely on board with it was a very bad game for Josh Ball. I think the biggest loser out of this would be Jerry Jones and Steven Jones thinking that they can just do nothing to address mm. the tackle position. That's enough. I, I, I think I'm with you where I do still see a path forward for Josh Ball to develop into the prospect. We think he can be now is not the time Jerry, please go out by just spins. Like there are so many just decent tackles that you could throw a bet minimum for. That would be an immediate upgrade. Please do it. Also, question for you, can Connor McGovern play swing tackle? This might be an com- incredibly stupid question, but I was th- thinking last night, like, our sixth best lineman is Connor McGovern if Tyler mm-hmm. Smith's going to start. Is there any chance that – I know it, it, it would mess up the big packages, but he has to be an upgrade over a bigger Josh Ball. You know what? It's, it's an innovative thought. It's something that's out of the box, but I don't think the Cowboys have even really kind of deviled in that and tried to see yeah. if that's something that they would do. I think if something 
crazy were to happen, Tyler Smith would kick out. He would play left tackle. You know, Connor McGovern, who seems to be a solid right guard, right? I know there's difference between left guard and right guard, and he struggled <laughs> at left guard. Right guard, he seems to be somebody who's a capable right guard in this league. So I feel good about that being side specific, but we don't have much depth there. It's kind of scary. I mean, the tackle is absolutely a red flag absolute need to be figured out right now and that's and it's kind of scary to see but the Conor McGovern stuff I think the Cowboys are going to have to get creative if they don't spend money yeah. so I don't think you're you're too far off with that Aiden so enough of the Josh ball enough of the that negativity onto the second form of, of negativity who is your second loser of the game yeah I can't go any longer and this might be this might be stealing yours. I think we both had the same thought about this just because he was, in my opinion, by far and away, not even close to the biggest loser from last night. Nashawn Wright. Oh, good heavens. Mm. That mm. was that was horrible. Okay, so once again, we went back to Deron Bland, who allowed seven receptions. Or he allowed he had he was targeted seven times, allowed two completions for two yards. Nashawn Wright was also targeted seven times. You want to guess how many completions he had he allowed? Wow. Um, let me be right down the middle. Four. He allowed seven. <laughs> oh my god! Seven. So quarterbacks went seven for seven <laughs> for a hundred and eighteen yards and a touchdown. Oh, that's Kids, not a that's good a, day at the office. No, that's that's called a perfect passer rating. Oh so my god! I, Nishan Wright. It was about as bad as you can get. I still have hope for him because he's looked so good in camp. So once again, this is not a guy that I'm just I'm calling to be cut, but. From my eyes, I think he went from the fourth cornerback to the sixth cornerback in the span of three hours. I'm actually mind blown by last night because first series, second series, flying around, making tackles, sure-handed tackler, speed, length, showing, you know, he looked like he was playing a little bit of bully ball with some athleticism. And they were like, all right, let's try throwing at him instead. (laughs) That might work. (laughs) I legitimately while i was watching the game i was kind of putting together this winners and losers list just so i could remember it after the first series i had nation right as a winner after halftime i had taken him off the winners list and then by the third quarter it already slapped him onto the losers list that was just it was a bad progression you know and i even said it too i was just like i was trying to be positive about it i tweeted out and i'm like i'm not gonna get mad at a cornerback who just, you know, the receiver made a good play, went up and went over the top of him. It's fine. But that's been Nation Wright's issue since we got here. He's his tracking skills on the football are not top tier. They're not for somebody who's six five or however tall he is, six three, six four, tall, lengthy cornerback. You have to be able to break a pass up. You have to be able to, to engage and find that football in the air and make that play long enough, lengthy enough. It's tough because, like you said, I think we were we were on here last week saying Calvin Joseph is the one that's in danger. <laughs> Nation Wright's going to take his job, and now they're both in danger. And one of our winners, Deron Bland, might be the come on up. It's your turn now, brother. I do quick credit to Nashawn Wright. I it was a holding call, but I still did like the break on the ball that he made, and that would have been interception. He did hold him, and so once again, I'm not I'm not showering him with praise here, but that was like the one aspect of Wright's game last night where I was like, okay, I can at least see him making a play here. Yeah. So kind of pivoting off that to the next loser of Saturday night, I thought you were going to go here with this one. The nation Wright is obviously valid. Um, one of the higher tiers, but I'm going to go with Cooper rush. 
We talked about how Will Greer was a winner without playing. Cooper Rush was a loser for playing. You know, <laughs> it, it was tough. He was, man, you know, at, at times the offensive line wasn't horrendous. It I was mean, not had, bad last night. Right? He had opportunities. I, I almost put the offensive line as a winner. And now, granted, it would have been a minor winner because it wasn't great. But the offensive line, I thought, played pretty well. Yeah, and it's to me, it's it, it was kind of crazy to because I'm I'm sitting there, I'm like, how I was sitting there watching the game, like, how did we beat the Minnesota Vikings with this guy? Like, how how did we go out there and win a football game, you know, on a hostile environment on a primetime football game? But Cooper Rush, man, might have just played himself in one preseason game right out of the QB two position, right out of a a, a a roster spot, really. All Will Greer has to go out there is just be competent, and I think he's gonna take the job. And Rightfully so. Cooper Rush is, man, that was a tough, tough performance last night. You know, it's, and I'm not trying to, you know, hammer him over it, but that was, it was tough to see it. And what do you think? Yeah, my only thought, I mean, I talked about this when I was talking about Will Gurr as a minor winner. Cooper Rush, the only thing I was thinking during the entire game at about halftime, I turned to the friends who I was watching the game with and I said, I think the Minnesota game was just a flash in the pan. I think he mm. hit a couple big passes, and it kills me to say because it was a really good game by Cooper Rush. But that first half of the Minnesota Vikings game where we didn't really have a chance and Cooper Rush was just struggling, I think that's more prescriptive of what we're really dealing with here. I think he got a little lucky in the second half. Yeah, it's tough. You know, like I said, so I'll be interested to see to see how the the reps get allocated against the Chargers in the second preseason game. Are we going to see a lot more Will Greer? I mean, are they shortening the leash on Cooper Rush? I mean, it remains to be seen. I mean, maybe Danucci gets a half. Who knows? So it's it's interesting to see, but we just know that Cooper Rush did not make the most of his opportunity. So with that being said, Aiden, onto your third and final loser of Saturday night, and you have? Liram Harulu. I, this mm. one, this I. There's a lot of there's a lot more names that I could have chosen for the losers list, but I did want to say when we're talking about the kicker situation, I, I've always been the one that's been banging the drum that I want Mike McCarthy to be aggressive. I want him to go for it when you're at the 30, 40 yard line as fourth and short. Please go for it. Don't settle for a field goal in those situations. But last night, I almost felt like it was less out of aggression and more out of just a genuine distrust in the kicker. Like the Cowboys went for it I think three times in the um, Broncos territory I I just don't I think the coaching staff has completely lost faith in any kicking and this is mostly news we're seeing from camp more so than last night's game but then you trot Laram out for a 56 yard field goal and I don't know about you I from the second to left his foot I was like yeah that's not going in so <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I, I just think they're Liram's a loser just because I'm, I need, I need to see more kickers on this roster quickly because this is a real issue. And I need, I, we need to mention kickers as a loser as many times as we can. <laughs> so they make a change, right? Until yeah, exactly. the change we want to see, but it's funny, you know, he hit the 56, you know, he banged the 56, uh, missed it. And, but in Denver too, like, right. Yes. So in Denver with the altitude, that kick is even less impressive to miss that because the leg should be there automatically. Right. 56 is more like what? 50, 51 up there. So it's like, yeah, that, you know, so that's something that should be well in his range. But to kind of piggyback on that, Brett Maher went out there and just did what he had to do. 
He went out there, he drilled his extra point, and then kicked a, a ball through the back of the end zone. And if that's what he's going to do, that's all the Cowboys want from a kicker, right? They're not looking for anything flashy, and that's scary because, you know, it takes about one more game of that before Brett Maher might be the, the man <laughs> in charge here again. So um, I don't know. So it, that's pretty funny to me, and it, it's sad there. But I, you kind of stole my thunder on my third. I had a third loser here and we kind of piggybacked on it. I'm not going to hammer him again, but it was nation. Right. So I'm going to pivot on the spot here. And I'm going to say my third loser wasn't a player. It was Mike McCarthy. I think Mike McCarthy as a whole sped us some stuff all off season about this being a tough team, a team that we're going to play discipline. Somebody we're going to do this. We're going to do that the right way. It just didn't show out. And I know I said early on, it was, you know, 22 guys, 23 guys that are, you know, weren't playing that are going to be full-time, you know, active members of this 53-man roster. But at the same time, it's a cultural thing. We talked about them blaming the referees last year and how that was cringeworthy, something that they shouldn't have did. And now we're sitting here saying this team, they have to find the discipline. I Listen, we're not going to put too, too much stock in preseason. You, you take it for what it's worth. And you like you said, you take it with a grain of salt. But at the end of the day, to be that much worse than everybody else is a tough deal. So I have to give Mike McCarthy an L this week. And um, that was on the pivot, but you know, that was one of my two choices there when I broke down my three anyway. Yeah, I'm completely with you. The one credit I'll give McCarthy that I'd love to see more in the regular season would be, I want those more. I want that fourth down aggression. So when the Cowboys, anytime the Cowboys are in situations like they were in last night, where it's, fourth and short at the 30, 40 yard line. I just always want them to go for it. No hesitation unless we're talking about final two minutes of the game and we need, we're down by two points. I really like that aggression. I'm not putting a whole lot of stock into the penalties. This is kind of making it sound like I'm turning into a Mike McCarthy fan. I'm not, I don't think it was the greatest coach game of all time. And I do think we could also throw Kellen Moore into the list of losers because I mean, it was his offense that put up seven points. I get, it was backups, but it was still Kelmore leading the ship. So I'm with you. It wasn't the greatest coach game in the world. Yeah, and it's tough. You know, we talked about it. We talked about the winners. We talked about the losers. You know, Blog of the Boys is have is going to have a ton of coverage all week on this. Um, but as far as the first and 10 goes, I think I can speak for both of us and Dave as well. Ready to change. Turn the page over. Week two of the preseason, look for the Chargers. That is going to be a tough game. If if any of his starters on the defensive line get some burn, that's going to be an absolute test for the offensive line. So we're, we're going to see how that goes there. But for first and 10, before we let you go, we got a huge, huge news. Um, big surprise. Stay tuned after this show. You know, ours drops at 8 Central, 9 Eastern on Monday at 11 Eastern. I believe it was 11 Eastern or 12 Eastern. RJ Ochoa has a special guest. He is interviewing Dak Prescott. You know, you heard that QB one Dak Prescott will be on the blog and the boys network on Monday. So after you're listening to this couple hours later, this will be up as well. So be on the lookout for RJ Ochoa and Dak Prescott. Super cool. I heard the interview was awesome. We got to talk about it a little bit beforehand. So be on the lookout for that. But that is it for this week. I am Tony Catalina. With Aiden Davis, you were just listening to another episode of the First and Ten podcast brought to you by Blogging the Boys, powered by SB Nation. Uh, we'll catch you next week, and hopefully we'll have some more positivity to talk about. <laughs> have a good one, guys.